Hey guys, this is Austin Linney from Construct Your Life. Guys, if you really want to leverage your message, the way to do that is you got to listen to stories that sell. Because I'm telling you right now, everybody in life, you're either selling yourself or you're getting sold. So make sure that you listen to this podcast because I promise you that you don't want to be the one getting sold. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. In this episode, I chat with Austin Linney. Austin is a serial entrepreneur, a real estate investor, a business and mindset coach, and the host of the weekly podcast, Construct Your Life with Austin Linney. He has built an expansive network of top professionals in leading industries and helped countless individuals break through obstacles and become who they were meant to be. For years, Austin struggled with negative thought patterns, self-sabotage, and alcohol addiction that left him trapped in an unfulfilling job financial struggles, and disconnected and failing relationships. Austin shares when he reached a breaking point and he knew that he needed to take radical responsibility for his mindset and his life. In this episode, we go right into the details and Austin teaches us exactly what we need to do to overcome self-destructive cycles and live a life of abundance and significance. Hey, before we get started, Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Hey, Austin, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. Thank you, my man. Thank you. We had to push record because we were all the good stuff was already happening. So. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about recording a podcast. You just get to going with hey, somebody. We need to create a separate podcast called Behind the Vault. That's yeah, what I oh, that's came cool. up with. Yeah. Because, you know, you're talking on the phone with your mentors and you're like, dude, this is fire. We yeah. got to record this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, hey, I, we're, off, we're off topic already, which is probably going to be the theme of this entire podcast. But so many people I've heard are like, oh, I just push record the second I start because you never know what's coming out. And I haven't gotten myself to do it. Uh, I missed a lot of opportunities. But anyway, man, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I feel like I already know you yet. We just talked for the first time, like face to face on Zoom today. So, you know, thank you, going, Angelo. Huh? Thank you, yes. Angelo Cisco, the man, the myth, the legend. Appreciate it. You know, what's interesting about people, you know, really social media is, is kind of the new business card, right? And I, I learned this the first time I did 75 hard. I had a meeting with somebody. They didn't know me. And all he said was, we're good. I know exactly who you are. And I'm like, what? And he goes, you did 75 hard. If you did that, I know exactly who you are. Boom, done. And it's amazing because now your social media, now your podcasts are the are kind of the, the new business card. 
Well, and that's the whole idea. That's the whole idea behind, behind stories to sell. Like we have to leverage what it is we have inside of us, our story, our authority, our interests, our, the places where we shine. We got, we, we got to use those because that's really your business card. And it's all out there. If you can get it out there on social media, if you can get it out there that speaks to others, that again, I'm going to accentuate authentic, then you're going to have a very fruitful life. Well, my favorite quote I came up with is, if you don't position yourself, you will be positioned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that fits right in line with another topic we're going to have is like, either you command your day or your debate day commands you, which we've already had that conversation about. But um, yeah, so... <laughs> Here we go. I'm really excited to hear about your story. I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts you've been on, and we have a lot of the same like crossovers, like people that you've interviewed with. And, and well, quite, quite frankly, you said you've done over 400 podcasts. So you're going to interview with a lot of people that I've interviewed. Yeah, like for sure. That's a lot. That's a lot of talking. 400 episodes is not, is no joke. I'm a talker. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's interesting I stopped for about three months. I'm back up again. I did it right before we moved, but my mom called me, you know, you know, mom always knows everything. She goes, baby, I think you need to take a break. I could tell you're starting to get disinterested. And I was like, I was like, you're right. Cause I'm like, literally got two more days and then I'm done because I noticed that the interviews were getting shorter and I wasn't kind of, but I really think anybody that's out there listening you have to get your social capital and social credit up high enough. And I really think that when you launch a podcast, I think your first goal needs to be a hundred episodes and then you can kind of move from there. Cause then the people have seen, because I tell everybody, the only thing, there's no chance that everybody listens to every one of my podcasts. They can't, if right. you have, thank you. I love you. But the number one thing that they say about me is you're the most consistent SOB I've ever met in my life. Yeah, it's really important. I, I've had issues with consistency as I've had a business kind of explode out of nowhere. And all my time was put into, into putting operations in place and really nailing things down. And, and it really does hurt. But I've also helped over 20 business owners launch their podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from that. And what I've learned is that people are really scared to do it. Once they realize the power of again of sharing their story, they I usually start them on you're going to do a podcast every other week because that's sustainable. Within three to four weeks, they're like, "Hey Scott, I know we did every other week, and I was really nervous about that. I have to do one a week because right. it's yeah. too much fun, and I'm getting too much out of it." I'm like, "Exactly." <laughs> well, what's what's interesting, right? And I tell everybody all the time, I've had really big real estate investors on my podcast, but you want to know the ones that have got the most views. What's that? This, the, the mom that's a housewife who beat drug addiction. And I tell everybody this all the time, you know, part of my world's Airbnb. And I try to tell people I can bring on. So I run an Airbnb mastermind. I can bring on a guy that has 113 Airbnbs, but you don't care. You can't see yourself in him. Right. But I bring the guy on this buying this third in the market that you want to buy. And you're like, ooh, yeah, I really relate with this guy. And so part of the reason that I host live events the part of the reason I started the podcast was my mission is to tell you that everybody has a story. Yeah. And when you realize that your story can affect one person, because what we don't talk about, and we'll get into my, my shit, but what we don't talk about is the things that you don't share are controlling every aspect of your life. The moment that you walk up, and this is a true story, by the way, this is not a joke. When I walk up to people at an event, or a mastermind or whatever. I'm like, hey, Austin Lenny, drug addict, homeless, divorced, nice to meet you. And they're like, whoa, 
this motherfucker is just laying it out there because it doesn't own me anymore. Right. And what it does is allows them to realize that maybe their story that they've been telling themselves for years uh, doesn't hold water because this guy's so open of it and it gives them the freedom to share their story. And then boom, we're off to the races. Yeah. You're, you're very uh, open. You're very vulnerable and you're very, you're very open about being vulnerable, which is something I've been really honing in on when I talk to men for the last year, I'm like, if you're not being authentically vulnerable and really letting it all out there, you're not tapping in. You're not tapping into the growth that you can have. So I love that you introduce yourself that way. But what I want to do is I want to go back to that story. It all starts around age 17. I'm sure there's more before that, but 17 yeah, is a real pivotal. You point. know, what's interesting is I've kind of, me and my dad have a on an on and off relationship for the last 20 plus years. But what I realized is that my father was the first entrepreneur that I knew. And I'm starting to realize that now as I get older and I'm, I'm in this game as long as I have been, um, you know, as we, you know, my dad, you know, I, I heard, you know, through my mom that he took a lot of risk, you know, he took a, some big loans out for my great grandfather. And, and my dad's probably one of the most prominent dentists in all of Texas. And he just sold his uh, practice, you know, 40 plus years. And, you know, when I was, uh, um, I have a weird mind. Um, uh, true story. So let's say I do nine podcasts in a day, which I told you I've done before. And my girlfriend goes, there's no chance. You have no notes. She goes, how do you know? And I go, test me. Let's go. And I'll go through everybody and go, he's Chris. He's got 160 units. He's from Jacksonville, Florida. He just moved from, he was a college soccer player. And she's like, I don't understand how you do that. But I have a photographic memory, almost a, a perfect recall memory. I can even pull up conversations I've had on the podcast all those episodes ago. And so school didn't really intrigue me at all. And especially in the days that I went to school, there was no thing about entrepreneurship. There was not, there was none of that crap. It was go to school. I went to the best public school in all of Sugarland, Texas. Uh, you know, uh, the highest white kid at my school was like 56, you know, it was like all the surgeons and, you know, it was, it made NBA players and, and, um, school didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, it was really easy. And then as school got older in high school, it got harder and harder. And I, I was engaged. And when I was 17 years old, my parents asked me, they said, you want to go to military school? Or you want to go to Beaumont, Texas? And that was my options. And uh, my parents grew up from Beaumont. And, and I said, I don't even know what that is. But sure, uh, I'll take that over military school, uh, not knowing what that was. And I, I went from a school of 4,200 in my class to 100. And uh, I showed up on the first day of school. True fucking story. This is so true. And everybody had boats behind their trucks and they were wearing camo. And I, was like, what the I was like, what is going on? And I asked the guy, I was like, what, the fuck? what is going on? And he's like, well, you didn't go duck hunting this morning at 3 a.m.? I was like, no, I was asleep. I don't even know what this is. So I really got introduced to a different way of life, a, a real shirt off your back, uh, you know, I do what my grandfather does, you know, and there's a lot of things I take away from there. And there's a lot of things I left behind. But uh, I, I, I got into the restaurant business at 18. And when I got introduced to the restaurant business, especially at the time I was, the day I got trained, the first day I got trained, the guy was training me goes, if you want Xanax, you can get it from that guy. If you want meth, you can get it from that guy. If you want cocaine, you can get it from that guy. If you want pot you can get it from that guy that's how i got introduced to it so we start doing cocaine cocaine leads into methamphetamines and then you know methamphetamines you know you're just doing it on friday or saturdays and then friday or saturday turns into monday tuesday and then turns into wednesday friday and then uh, i wound up staying up for eight days straight 
and I didn't eat. I was taking 40 Xanax at night, like the week trying to go to bed. So like I was starting to hallucinate and, um, I had an ex-girlfriend see me and she was like, this is not you. You're better than this. You're actually a good human. I don't know what the fuck is going on with you. And what's weird. And I didn't know it at the time, but I lived with the second biggest drug dealer in Southeast Texas at the time. Wow. And so guys would come over there on a Tuesday on our day off and just break out drugs. And we're like cleaning the house. And it's just, I mean, it just, I, the scary thing was, is I was still working all the time. It wasn't like I was not getting my thing done. But then you start lying to yourself, you start lying to your parents, and, and you're really breaking these internal contracts with yourself. And, and uh, when she when she told me that I, I really I was done, man, I was so done. Um, I packed up my shit, I moved to Austin, Texas, I got a sublease, I took a job at a restaurant, and I quit the methamphetamines and the cocaine, but I was still drinking because drinking is so acceptable in the restaurant business. It's just what you do. You work all day, you drink. And uh, we went to a, a bar that stayed open late for the restaurant workers. And um, so I've only, I've only shared this story like twice, but because it's the stories, that's whatever. I'll share the full extent of the story. All right, I, guarantee I, you haven't, I guarantee you haven't heard this. All right. So let me see if I can break this out to anybody that's listening. So there's a restaurant about 15 miles up north, and I live downtown on UT's campus. Okay, so we're up north, UT's campus. So I got in my car, shouldn't have been driving. I get in my car and somehow wound up going north instead of south. Okay, so away from my house. And what happened was, I'm piecing this story together because I don't remember everything. I ran my car into a yard. I ran over somebody's mailbox. I freaked out because I came to. I jumped out of the car. The owner of the house runs out of the house. I throw him my ID like the dumbest idiot I've ever, I don't even, that doesn't even make sense to me still to this day. And I start running down the road. Okay. I get pitched. I get picked up from a hitchhiker. I've got 600 bucks cash in my pocket, right? By the way. Okay. So I get picked up by a hitchhiker. He's taking me home and he starts smelling something. And he's like, something smells really bad. And so what had happened is when I ran into the mailbox, I shit on myself. And I was sitting in his car, sitting in my own shit. And I'm talking about the money I made. And so when I got out of the car and he dropped me off at my apartment, he punched me and knocked me out and took my 600 bucks. So I go into my apartment. I put all my clothes in the bathtub. I clean myself. I go to bed. I wake up. I swear to God, I thought it was a dream. And I was like ready to go to work because I had to work a double the next day. And I look out the window and I pull down the blinds and my car's not there. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't a dream. Holy banana balls. So I call and get my shift covered. I try to like piece it together. I wound up getting fired from from work. I lost my car. I kind of lied to the police, kind of got out of it. Wound up getting a huge ticket like 10 years later. That's another story altogether, but good old Austin court system. but my, my buddy came and picked me up. I drove back down to Beaumont. I stayed with my mom. I continued to party for about a month. And she wound up throwing all my shit out uh, on the step with a bag of clothes. And my dad cut off my credit cards. And, you know, you have a 22-year-old man who's crying like a little baby. And uh, my buddy, one of my best friends to this day, he was like, listen, dude, you got about 45 minutes to cry. And then we got to get your shit together. So figure it out. And so, he said, listen, it's not much. But this guy will give you a job. 
And I'm like, what is it? I don't even care. I'll be there. Just let it go. So that guy picked me up at 5 a.m., 5 a. dropped me off at 6. I laid tile and brick in July in Texas. So you can only imagine outside. It was, it was legit. And I didn't have anywhere to live. And um, I, my buddy said, listen, my, my dad, my brother has a house. He goes, we have nowhere for you to stay, but you can stay here. And where there was, was a, was a closet. And I don't mean a figurative closet. It's an actual closet underneath the stairs. And I, I, I ate ham sandwiches and ramen noodles and lived off 40 bucks a month. And, and, and I worked and, and it, that was kind of, that was the downward spiral. Yeah, that's a, that's a fast and furious downward spiral. So between 17 and, and 22, 23 were really tumultuous. You were just kind of out there just going nuts. I was... I was in the midst of the initial um, spiral of pure on victimhood. I mean, there's really no, I was still making money. I was still taking care of myself, but I was mad at the fucking world for my parents. So long story short, my parents, uh, when I moved to Beaumont, my parents got divorced six months in and somehow I convinced myself that I was the reason they got divorced. And that started that, that kind of started the genesis of what, what led up to that. Yeah. So you're, you're a victim, you're self-described victim at that point in your life. Um, were you a victim of the school system? I mean, it sounds like, yes, I, I do believe so. You know, what's interesting is I look back on it now and I look at what I know now and I, you know, I built businesses and I've done personal development and I look at somebody like me. Right. And I go, dude, I can see it. I can see it. You know what? I, I got emotional on my other podcast the other day because I was talking to a girl that's pretty similar to me and she went through the same things. Not not to the extent that I did, but personality wise. I said, you know what really fucking chaps my ass? Everything that I'm champion for now, everything that people praise me for is what they demonize me for in high school. Yeah. I used to own a bike shop and one of my very first employees was a guy who was very similar story to you. Incredibly bright, did not fit in the system, got into, you know, hard drugs, alcohol, all the chasing or running from the police, crashing cars, like all the crazy stories. And I gave him a chance. And, um, so we wanted, it, it, it really came down to like, didn't fit in that box did not fit in the box. I was a teacher at the time too. I owned a business <laughs> and I was a teacher and I'm like it, trying to kind of piece this into my gather, having gone my head, having gone, you know, getting a master's in education and seeing, getting taught all of those box things. You and Dennis Moralda talk, Moralda talked yeah. about a lot. And, um, and I watched him over the last years. He's, I mean, like ridiculously intelligent, like ridiculous, you know, but that is, a, a very destructive path if you don't have somebody there steering you in the right place. You know what's hard about addiction? Because I, I coach a recovery group and I, I coach some of my clients or are, are, are through addiction. You know what people love about me? They love that I'm in their corner with no judgment. Yeah. That's serious. Like, when's the last time that somebody was in your corner that didn't give a shit? Oh, you want to talk crazy stories? I got them. Let's go. I don't care about those. You can keep lying to yourself about those or we can go to work. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing, the number one thing that I have that is my special gift is I can see greatness inside of somebody and I can put them in the right spot before they know it. Yeah. And so it's the same reason I get so much success from my clients because I find out what they want and then I, and then I talk to them 
as if they're already that person. And then what happens is in enough time, they come along to match up with the version that I see and then boom, they're off to the races. Yeah, that's so cool. But this didn't just come from your journey between 17 and 22. <laughs> no, baby. Because I'm going to explain to you the worst part of my journey. And okay. this is the scary part. Because true story, I talked to a guy the other day that, that beat heroin after 14 years. And he said, me beating heroin doesn't hold a candle to you beating alcohol. And I was like, whoa. And he's like, I have more respect for people that beat alcohol because it's so mainstream. And, and, and my joke is, if we were in a business meeting and I busted out an eight ball of cocaine and I did it all, you'd be like, oh, that fucking dude is out of control. But if the same guy, if Bob drinks a case of beer a day, they're like, oh, no, Bob just likes beer. No, 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 no. That's just as bad, if not worse. And so I proceeded to be uh, a functioning alcoholic for 20 years. And when I mean functioning, I worked 60 to 80 hours a week all the time and I made money and I was the best white bartender and waiter. And so it wasn't until it was two and a half. So it was two years and seven months ago, two years and seven months ago. Uh, but the, the month prior, I, I tried to stop for 30 days. I drank. I stopped for 26 and I drank and then I was mad at myself and I had joined a mastermind and the two business partners I started a business with were nine months and 11 months sober. And they were like, look, dude, if you just give it a shot, like if you, if you've ever thought about it, just try it. So, um, I, I was like, look, I can go 60 days. I think I can do 60. So, um, my coach at the time, who's been in the recovery space for like 15 years, he was like, dude, you are like a rocket. He's like, if you don't, do something to like calm the mind, you're going to freak out. So also I've never shared this. So for me to stop drinking, I was smoking weed every day, like at night. Right. It was just that, like I needed it. Right. And so I got to like day 30 of being like sober from alcohol. And I was like, what if I feel really good? I was like, what if I don't do the weed either? And I'm like, okay, so I don't do the weed. And then I get to 60 days and then I got to six months and then I got to a year. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I'm helping people. And um, so long story short, I've been sober for two years and seven months. I've lost 70 pounds and my whole life is turned around. And not that it was like in the shitter, I was still making money, but I wasn't doing what I'm doing now by any stretch of the imagination. And as, as a lot of people would say, the trajectory has just gone through the roof and what's possible. Um, it, it doesn't even exist. I mean, because who knows? And a lot of people ask me all the time, like, when are you going to go back again? And I'm like, I'm not. Like, I've just, I'm so far removed from it that I don't want to because I feel so great and I have so many lives to impact. But what's interesting about what people don't talk about in addiction, it's not getting sober that's the hard part. It's that is hard enough, but it's showing up and being a different person around the people that only know you as drunk that's the rub that's what it gets hard because your friends and family aren't you they're used to you being a fuck up and so it's scary I, I get on a little bit of a pedestal soapbox here because a lot of a lot of people have a really hard time with identity so what you're basically ta talking about is your identity was in that drug use that 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 uh abuse of drugs alcohol yep. whatever and but then 
it's so hard because I remember when I quit, when I, when I shot my bike shop down, I, it, my identity was tied to being a business owner and a cyclist and being that guy for all my friends that love to cycle. And I literally just went into absolute deep depression because I didn't know what I was anymore. And they didn't know what I was. They stopped calling. They stopped hanging around. It was just, I can't even imagine that situation wrapped around drugs and drinking. It's, so the, the absent of not drinking is not the hard part. It's being absolutely terrified of who you are mm -hmm. because you don't even know anymore because who you are is so ingrained in alcohol use. Dude, here's a weird thing. And this is people don't think about this shit if you're not addicted to alcohol. You know, the hardest thing to learn to do. And I knew I was officially done when I went on vacation and didn't drink. Yeah. 10 days in Costa Rica. That was my Everest. When I got through that, I was like, holy shit, look out. I'm good to go. Dude, I had to relearn how to go to vacation. Yeah. And, and, and celebrate. I mean, there's so many different things, little things that you don't think of. Triggers every second of the day, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And it's everywhere. You know, it's, it's well, this bar, this thing, this, and, and here's the scary thing. <laughs> I still am a master bartender. I still make drinks for my mentor and I'm totally fine with it now. Was, was I doing that month one? Probably not, but I'm good now. And so the scary thing is I'm still romantic about alcohol because I love to sell it and I travel to vineyards and, and, but it, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't tell my story anymore. It, it was who I was. And now my story can go save other people. Yeah. Because it's a true, it's a true statement. My podcast producer at the time said, listen, this is what changed my life, really. I was on uh, a real estate trip and I got a text message and he says, hey, we haven't talked about this, but I haven't had a drink in three months because of you. And I'm like, what? We haven't even talked. And he goes, but if your dumb ass could do it, I know I could do it. And so what I realized in that moment is in my 20s, I was what was classified as a pecker. You should do this. You should do that. But what I realized is that the way to truly inspire others is to go out and live the best version of yourself. And when you do that, it shows other people that they can do it, not by telling them what to do, but by showing them what to do. And that's when I realized that it was about me going to live my best life. And that's how I could inspire the most people. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. You've, you've, you've shared a few things that lead me to a very um, common, common question that I have on this podcast is it, who, like, what were the big, what were the big tools you used for change? You've and you've talked a lot about people. So how did you get from I'm working construction, living in a closet to I'm surrounding myself by these people? A lot of people are out there and they're like, man, all these people talk about mentors. They talk about masterminds. I can't afford it. I don't know what to do. I'm a business owner. I'm all, hey, look, entrepreneurs are lonely. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ridiculously lonely journey you're, you're on, you're on a high one day or even in the morning and the next, and the second half of the day, you could, couldn't be more lonely than you can imagine. So, you know, I want to connect the dots here. What, what happened to, to get you in a place where you're around the right people? I would say about three things happened, like three main things. Uh, the, the first one being, I happened to read the book, Extreme Ownership right at the right time. And it wasn't until I had a guy that kind of got in my kitchen and he said, listen, motherfucker, 
I've heard you bitch and moan about everything that happened to you for six months, but you don't want to know what I've never heard from you. I've never heard you take full ownership of what you did. And I was like, you know what? You're fucking right. And so at that moment, I called my dad and I was like, hey, look, some shit's gone down. There's been a lot of words. Some hands have been grabbed. I was like, listen, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I take ownership of my actions full on. And in that moment, when I got off that phone call, I felt like it was the, this ball and this weight on my shoulder just like, like went down. But here's what's scary. For three, not till three months later, I was at an Airbnb and it was, it was a thing on the side of a cliff overlooking a lake and it was real foggy in the morning. And I was out there, I was listening to Kings of Leon and you could barely see like two feet in front of you. And in that moment, I just had a breakdown. I had like this full on, like forgave myself, finally cried because I had found something out about my parents' divorce that it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. And so all these things had happened and I cried and it felt like all these baggage and this shit just like went off me. And then I joined the mastermind. I wound up meeting a lot of people that dream bigger than me, that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And as my friend Carolyn Colleen would say, sometimes you have to borrow the belief that others have in you long enough for you to believe it in yourself. And that's what I did. And um, then I started working out. And what I realized is that health was the quickest way for small wins. And I made a promise to myself because what I realized about most of my coaching clients and most everybody that's in a pickle or they're in a bad spot is their inner confidence is gone. They have no inner confidence because of all these broken promises. And what I realized, it wasn't the promises that others broke to me. It was the promises I broke to myself. And I've made myself a promise that day that if I start something, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to keep the promises to myself no matter what. And so I started just working out every day. And it's one of those things where I mentally wasn't ready to hit the scale. I couldn't do it. The scale was messing with my emotions. So I just stopped looking at the scale. And I just started working out. And as I started losing weight, I started getting confidence back. And that was kind of the genesis to everything. And then I wound up, um, I wound up starting a business with some guys that I believed in enough to burn the boats. And I burned the boats. I left my, my restaurant job. And uh, I was like, this is it. We're going to tear it up. We're going to light the world on fire. I've never been, you know, this is, I've never been more ready. And about three months into that, that thing, we were losing money and uh, I hated what I was doing. And uh, I had to lose 26 grand to learn. And I was beating myself up. And um, I had a guy that I really respect in my mastermind. Uh, I was like playing the victim again, like, oh, here's my one opportunity. I blew it. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, hey, do you ever go to business school? No. Do you have a college degree? No. Do you have a bachelor's? No. Have you ever started a business before? No. He goes, well, you just went to school. It cost you $26,000. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I, love that. I love that outlook. That's cheap. Yeah. Cheap education. So it was great because I realized that I lied to myself about things that I wanted to do. And I wound up, I, I tell this story. It's another story I rarely share. So I think a lot of times in life, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people. I think when something happens to you, it's very easy to go back. Because we know that. That's comfort. So 
I got, I left that job. I signed the agreement. I lost the 26 grand. I was leaving for Costa Rica like five days later. I already had the trip planned. Yeah, it was the whole thing. And I was like, only an asshole goes to Costa Rica after he loses, you know, his business. So at my previous job, there was a two-year anniversary for my job, which is the restaurant business, a big food hall I ran. So the two-year anniversary, I lost the money the day before. We were leaving for Costa Rica in five days. I, I go, you know what? Let me stop by and say hello to everybody. I don't, I'm not doing anything today. Maybe it'll put me in a good mood. So I go, I park my car. I'm walking up to the food hall. So there's two double doors. You can see in the doors. I could see the bartenders that I used to manage and I can see my old boss. As I went to reach the door handle, something in my head said to me, this is no longer your life. Mm. Don't you dare walk in there. You're better than this. And I literally let go of the door handle. You ready for this? I walked away. And as I got 10 steps away, I got a phone call from a guy I'd known for 15 years and said, hey, I'm giving you a job. Come work for me for private equity, lending money to real estate investors. You start the day when you get back from Costa Rica. Wow. (laughs) So you make one decision and it, I mean, would you have answered the phone if you'd gone in and started talking with your friends? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. But either way, I think my heart would have maybe already been, it was, it was me saying, are you going to, are you really going to fold in the chips after one loss? Yeah. You've already had all these other ones, you know, and let, let's just let it be clear. I fucking sucked at private equity too. <laughs> so it's not like it happened. It was like, great, but I learned more about how money works and I got huge contacts in the space. And as we've gone on, the coaching business has grown. Now the coaching business is doing great. I'm in, you know, f- four different businesses. We're, we're doing lots of stuff. So it's been a two-year odyssey of writing, as you would say, the entrepreneurship wave. And ask my girlfriend who's sitting right over here. We have no money. We have a lot of money. We have zero money. I hate my life. I want to shut it all. <laughs> you know, you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really uh, is a roller coaster ride that doesn't give up. Yeah. Yeah. And those who uh, I think this is really important for anybody who's listening who's on this. It's not an easy journey for our loved ones, the ones living with no. us. I mean. You, do away, throw away the comfort of a, of a monthly paycheck. Throw away the comfort of knowing exactly when and what and how that you can have with a corporate job or you can have with a regular, aka living in the box job. It's not, it's, it's a different journey, okay. but man, it's awesome. And I'll give, them, I'll give them the inspiration they need. And it just so happens that you're catching me at a great time. I have very successful months. Some guys leave, you know, I do like three to six months a year. So some guys leave. I had a bunch of clients uh, graduate, you know, and so like April, I had like a little lull and then like May, I signed a really big client and she was like, you know, 70% of my monthly income and I coach her for like two weeks. She ghosts me and then she comes back and then she winds up texting me, which I knew was coming. And she's like, I can't do this. And just like, I'm not paying you and like just disappears. Right. So I'm at, so we're talking about May 10th. I'm down like as low as I possibly can go. Like I got like a couple clients, but they're paying me like a little bit. It's nothing crazy. So I call one of my buddies who kind of trains me in business. And he's like, listen, I love you, but you're too nice. And he's like, you're kind of being a bitch. He's like, make offers. You have tons of value to give to the world. Either you want it or you don't figure it out. 
And I said, okay, it's time to get to work. So I started making offers and I'm like, I, I'm good at this. Let's go. So no bullshit, Scott. From June 1st to as we sit here today, six figures. Not surprised. So let me tell you something. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, it's double. It's almost double six figures. But let me tell you, here's the deal. There's no ceiling. Right. Nobody controls you. And so how do you not fall in love with that? It's and all you have to do is not give up. I, I agree 100%. I mean, I've been on, on this journey for years and years. And I want, here's the problem. I want everybody to be in it. But th there are people that have to fill those seats, right? 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and here's the deal. And then I read this. It's an amazing book. God, I put on like 10 people on this book. I can't put it down. Uh, Alex Holmesy wrote this book called $100 Million Offers. It just came out. And he says that if you're a salesman and you're making 200 k a year, remember that you're owning a million dollar business with no liabilities. Yeah. It's not so rosy, baby. I wish I didn't want to be the CEO. <laughs> I really wish because I could, because here's what's scary. You ready for this? I only coach on Mondays. So I have a multiple six figure business on one day a month, a week. If I didn't have anything else, I could do whatever I wanted to, but that's not me. I want to create jobs. I want to create impact. So, you know, Trust me, there's days I wish I didn't have to toe the line. Let's let's throw the dog a bone because we have, uh, I've had a lot of guests on the show. I'm going to assume there's a lot of listeners that are coaches, aspiring coaches. Most of them, most of them have met success. But, and, um, and I'd love to hear this, like two to three things that have, that, that made a difference between the very, very low month to the multiple six-figure month. Uh, I think a lot of what it was is the, the last year I put in social credit. Um, uh, a lot of the leads have come from being on other people's podcasts. Um, we redid my website. It looks way more professional, way cleaner. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, just value stacking my offer. Like, dude, here's the thing. I realized that I was coaching them. How, how much can you offer somebody? Seriously? Well, I'm already coaching them on social media. What if we brought in a digital marketer and we did like consulting and we built you a, a business and we built, okay, boom, there's. So now I have something that other people don't have, but I think more than anything, I think people respond to how you believe about yourself. I think finally I was all in on myself. I think, I think that ultimately here's what people don't understand about my coaching business. I wasn't planning to do this for seven more years. I was not planning to coach till 45. Right. I'm building businesses right now. I do not, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd rather just build my businesses, but I have a mission and I care about it and it feeds me up. And so because of COVID, I got pushed into it. And so here we are. And so when I say, as we have a saying down here in Texas, you might be familiar with it. I was pissing in the wind. Yeah. I had no idea. So this whole year to me has been marketing. What's my message? Who am I serving? And I read this book called Super Coach and Coaching Habits, my two favorite coaching books. And he says, when you realize that you are no longer the hero in your story, you're nothing more than a guide to your coaching clients, that's when you realize that it's not about you. And this is a very hard statement for people to understand, but all the coaches out there will get it. The number one thing that you have to do as a coach is you have to be what they need you to be, not what you think they need you to be. Because I coach millionaires, dude. I'm not a millionaire. And I'm like, what the fuck? One of my coaching clients makes like fucking 7 million a year. I'm like, why am I doing this? this you know, you have all this imposter syndrome. 
but that's not what he needs. He right. knows his business. It's everything else that's not great. And so that's what I'm fixing and kind of a third eye. And so when you realize that, you realize that you can coach anybody. That's really good. And those are real actionable points and real, real mind shifts that really make a huge difference. I've noticed that in the coaching world. I know a lot of coaches um, and have heard a lot of different stories and some great and some not. I think those are major differentiators. Uh, Yeah. And I think, I think, I think, I think ultimately also understanding that you have to set your bar somewhere and you have to not move off of it. Mm -hmm. Like meaning my coach told me this, and it's something I, I believe in the core of my being. And I hope everybody gets this message and it hits them right where it needs to hit them. You don't have to worry about getting coaching clients because you only coach what you've been through. Every one of my coaching clients, we have the same exact personality. I see them and I'm like, two weeks in, I'm like, got it. Victimhood, divorced, done, drug addiction, got it. And here's what's crazy. What they think they hire me for they have no idea what they hired me for. They have one idea. And then we wound up going three months in and they're like, dude, I'm, we've done so much more than I thought we were doing, you know? And that's kind of the, the, the great thing about it. Cause I don't think that people truly know that the greatness is inside of them. They feel like it's somewhere else and it, it truly is down here. Yeah. Yeah. Every good, every really great transformative coach I've hired, it's always been a little different than I thought it was going to be. But it's been awesome. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I had to work on that, but I really needed to work on that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Love it. All right. Let's transition a little bit here because uh, there's some things I want to talk to you about because I'm super passionate about and I want to hear from you. You said something on a podcast that really hit me. In fact, it changed my mindset yesterday. So I'm already taking some things that you said and it was really pretty amazing because, you know, uh, I start my day in a way that really sets me up for success. But then there's times when things just slap you across the face. Last week was horrible. I, it, there's just stupid things happen and I, and, I, and I internalize them and then let them rule the day. You said it's not about having bad days. You have to refocus that or re, rethink it as I'm having bad minutes or a bad hour. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So, so I want to ask you a question. You're a father, correct? Correct. Okay. I'm not a father, but every father that's listening out there or every mother, I want you to listen to me very carefully. We, we, we in society had this blanket statement bullshit that we do, that we operate in. Oh, it's a bad day. If, you, if your son or daughter came up to you and kissed you on the cheek and smiled, was it a bad day? No, no. It was a bad hour. It was a bad minute. So we have to, you know, it's this, this thing where you walk around, I'm busy. It's a bad day. No, no, it wasn't. And so understand that, and, and maybe this is why I can say that, because it comes from an addiction world. because what you're trying to protect against is a spiral. It's when that one bad day turns into two bad days, turns into three bad days. And so if you can internalize that, maybe that didn't go exactly the way I wanted it. But remember, there's a book that will change everybody's life. And it's the number one thing I work on. It's called Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And realize that you don't control shit in this universe. And everything, the universe is undefeated. And that meeting that didn't happen that thing that didn't go the way you wanted to was setting you up for something else. And when you can understand that I had to go fail by pitching a $70,000 client and he telling me, fuck you. And then another boy saying F you. And now I'm working for a gentleman who we, we, we get along great. And, and I sold him the pack. 
I had to go get the confidence because understand that, that you're never going to be retired off of one real estate deal. You're never going to be retired off of one business deal. So and ultimately it's all just practice. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. I love that outlook. It's just shifting your mindset, shifting the way that you're seeing the situation. I just, I just spent four days with Angelo, by the way, Gosh, oh, Jesus cool. Christ. and I did his podcast. He did my podcast, so on and so on. And he said something to me that's really stuck with me. And I've got my coaches to do this too. And all my coaching clients, he went back on his life and everything that happened to him from the day he was born to how he is now, he changed the perspective and it let it empower him instead of unpower him. And so a lot of times what I do with my coaching clients, I'll give you a prime example. Well, I texted him and he didn't text me back. And, you know, he doesn't like me anymore. And I shouldn't love myself anymore. You know, and they go off just like, and I'm like, well, okay, well, hold on. Did any of those things actually happen? No, I just made them up. Okay, well, just breathe. Let's, let's give it a day and let's see what actually happens. And sure enough, I get this text. Yeah, you were right. He's fine. He was traveling. And I'm like, see, it's these stories we create in our head that are probably false, that we're just layering attachment onto. Yeah. Last year, I went through an experience um, where I actually went through a process of writing down stories and, and speaking out stories that happened to me and things that were impactful through my youth, school, a lot of school stuff, um, and, and wrote them out and then reframed it to like, wait. I'm being a victim here. That's not really the story that happened. You know, when you, you don't, do that, you get control. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Maybe I'm a weird cat. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm so, maybe I love coaching so much because I just took an Enneagram and Enneagram like personality thing. It's a hundred percent coach. I'm like, I, I wish I would have had this at 18, right. <laughs> but the moment, and I'm, this is really weird. Maybe I was done with my marriage. I don't really know. Cause I was done for a couple of years. But the moment that we decided to really get divorced, I thought the first thought that popped in my head was, man, I'm going to be able to help out so many people with this. Yeah. And it was three framing. It, it yeah. did frame, frame it within that 2.5 seconds. And that changed the whole way I looked at it. There's training that goes into to having yourself do that. So I, I do want to talk a few things about a few things that you do sure. to keep yourself sharp, to keep your mind uh in place to keep your productivity high. These are all things that entrepreneurs, business owners really have to deal with. How do I uh, value, get as much value out of my time as possible and still be, I'm not going to use the word balance, but in harmony, you know, with mm -hmm. my, with my relationships. Yeah. Um, and then like, so what are the, some of those things? It can be an outlook or it can be a practice. So a year, a year ago, uh, there's a big podcast guy. His name's uh, Austin Adams. He's out of Denver. He's a multifamily dude. Uh, we were just starting the podcast and he was like, let me look at your schedule. <laughs> and I mean, it was podcast here, podcast there, podcast. I mean, it was, and I was traveling too. And he's like, bro, this is ridiculous. He's like, get it together. He's like, your brain's here, your brain's there. You can't do it. He said, so here's what you're going to do. You're only going to do coaching on Monday and you're going to do podcast on Wednesday. And I was like, yeah, but, but if I, but if I get a big guest, they're not going to pick Wednesday. And he's like, I promise you they will. And so my first time I tried, this was with Gino Barbaro, which is the monster multifamily dude. And he picked Wednesday. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, let's go. I was like, this works. And so what you have to realize about your brain is that your brain can't switch off to certain things. So like, Austin, how do you coach 10 people on a Monday? Well, I'm doing the same thing all day. 
it's the same thing with podcasts. You're just doing the same thing. And so a lot of people, I've heard this from some people, let's say you have two businesses. Let's say it's on a Tuesday morning from eight to 11 is one business. And then on one to four is another business. And so what you're doing is you're batching your thinking and then you're batching your meetings. So you're focused on somewhat of the same task. And a lot of the ways that I can, can do operate in multiple businesses is multiple businesses are somewhat in the same sector. So when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I'm kind of talking about the same thing all the time because property management goes with construction and so on. And so, but if I was like, Hey, I'm selling tutus and I'm selling flipping houses, that'd be a little, my brain couldn't handle it. So I do a lot of batching of my schedule and I front load my week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays are super busy for me. And then Thursday, Fridays is a kind of throwaway day. I'm either hanging with investors or catching up on the week with like random meetings. Um, and that's kind of the way I operate my schedule. Yeah, I, uh, I told you before we start recording, I'm super into productivity. I love productivity hacking. I have a personal operating system that took me years to define and develop into practice. And batching is huge. Uh, started doing some research. And don't quote me on this because I'm horrible at remembering numbers. But you literally lose about 80% of your productivity when you task switch. Mm -hmm. so just going from like me podcasting now, if I, if I were to go and then go take a, uh, a client call in 20 minutes, like the, the brain just doesn't know like quite ha how to handle it. And something I do for myself, and this is just for me, and maybe it comes from the restaurant days. I don't take meetings that I have to critically think past four o'clock. I won't yeah. do it. You have more beta waves in the morning. So all my, you got to understand guys, I got clients at 4 a.m. on a Monday. He's talking about big business stuff, family stuff. I got to be ready. Yeah. And so that's why I get up two hours early and I get my mind right and I do my stuff because and it's the same way about four o'clock I start tuning out. And so, yeah, I can host like a call or like a Facebook live, but if it's like a critical thinking business meeting, I will not do it. I can't do it. Yeah. You and I also have, I, I agree. Like uh, my business partner is really good at that. He's like, Hey, after three, I'm just mush. Like don't yeah. even try. Yeah. But, uh, and I've, I've been working really hard on that. So what I've done is now I'm going to do my third workout which is usually at four, four thirty. When I'm starting mm -hmm. to kind of just do this, I'm like, instead of doing this, I'm gonna just elevate my brain. I'm gonna plug into some podcasts. I'm gonna fuel myself. So, okay, I have a pro I have a predict. Uh, I can't even talk. I have a tip for everybody out there. What I've been doing with my clients lately is, I want you to go. Everybody that's listening right now, I want you to go out and list the top ten things that you need to get done for the rest of the year. So list them out, and then I want you to go back. And take that list and go from one to 10 on list of importance. And what's interesting is 90 times out of 10 that the personal stuff, the family stuff shoot up to the top and the business stuff shoots to the bottom. And so when you frame it on importance in list, it's a big difference. Yeah. And that's why I do that, that in the afternoon because my brain goes to mush. I go out and fuel myself and then I'm like, hey. I am now here intentionally for my family. My boys are getting See, to school. That's, that's a very good thing. And enough people don't do that. And I'm guilty of it. You take that time to switch who you are. And my buddy was talking about this. He works for a big bank, big loans, like 500 million, a billion. He, he goes, I'm, I'm sitting there reading through law agreements all day. And now I'm working at home and I walk out and my two-year-old's right there. And I'm our, I'm in work yelling at my employees mode and he's like I and then I gotta be dad and he's like that's what that drive home was for me 
And he yeah. goes, now I don't have to drive home. So he's had to figure out ways around it. Yeah, exactly. I used to, I, I re- recognize that I used to drive home from work and it was like a decompression. I'd come home and I'd still have decision fatigue because you know, you're, you're, you're walking in, your wife's like, what do you want to do about this? What do you want to do about this? I'm like, ah, but I think it's so incredibly important to slow down, give yourself some time and really switch. And then I also had a coach tell me like literally do a physical announcement to yourself like out loud, like I'm done working today and like, or whatever it is, you make like a statement out loud and you do a hand movement. And he's like, that will like, it's a, it's a switch for me. Mm. It has to be a little more physical, but uh, another thing I love how you start your day. You and I do it very, very similarly. Uh, I've been saying for a year and a half, either you command your day or your day commands you. And so for me, I have a, a, an unnegotiable, non-negotiable list of things that have to be done before I start anything else. Whether I'm traveling, whether I'm, it doesn't matter. They're do- they're done. So, what does your morning look like? Oh, um, so we're living in a hotel right now, so it's a little interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, but we're used to tiny places, so it's not a big deal. But like this morning, I got up. I'll um, I'll spend some time in the morning, get dressed, I'll go out, um, and what I do is I, I walk for forty five minutes. Um, I'll listen to an audiobook or I'll read my Kindle uh, and I'll, I'll probably do a book or, or a Jim Rohn tape or something like that. Uh, then I'll transition to lifting some weights and do some core workouts. And then I, I get into the day, but that, that first two hours is, is working out um, some water and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if we had more room, there'd be other things I would be doing, but that's kind of what I do. You know, I really took, the 75 hard things. And I kind of do them even when I'm not doing the program because I love those aspects because here's what people don't understand. I am so busy with everything I have going on. If I don't do that stuff, I cannot concentrate. It's, it's I have to do it. It's not, as I tell everybody, you have to put your armor on in the morning to go attack the day. It's as simple as that. You do. And you were, you were, you were talking through your morning routine on a, on a podcast. You're like, I, I drink a lot of water and I do this. And I'm like, Wow, this sounds like 75 hard, which I did last year. I did 151 days straight. Yeah, me too. The only thing that broke was the was that I I went outside on my macros when I was doing macros, which is amazing. I was able to stay on that because it's just a mess. But yeah. Um, but like, you know what? People are like, well, would you do it again? I'm like, it's not I do it already. It's yeah. not hard. I work out yeah. multiple times a day because I do a 45 minute walk. There's magic for any person. Magic. It is magic. Magic. I read. There's 20 minutes. I have 15 to 20 minutes of out loud gratitude. Like that's all I do. That's okay. freaking hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, hard. Yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, I, but at the end I do at least 20 minutes on a book, something that's really stimulating my brain. And I come in and I'm fired up, ready to go. I'm like, I'm refueled. I'm happy. I'm grateful. And you're armed. You put your armor on and you're good to go. So like, I'm not in love with 75 hard because so many people do it and they fail. And it's like this big, there's some psychological things involved, but man, if you can start doing the habit stacking first, start with this then add this, then that. I, I created this thing and I think it's kind of my thing. And maybe I'll write a book one day about it. I do everything in a lifestyle framework. Okay. So I heard Brandon Turner say this on bigger pockets. He said, listen, I realized that I wanted to be a healthy person. So I realized what does a healthy person do? A healthy person moves his body, works out every day. And so I try to tell everybody, 
We're not in PE class anymore, boys and girls. Who gives a shot what you're lifting? I don't care. Do you move your body? Do you work out every day? Yes, I do. Okay, what's the other thing you do? Well, I love to look at real estate. Okay, well, I look at real estate when I'm on, I'm on trips because I enjoy it. It, it. it fires me up. So when you start doing stuff like that, if it's snowing outside, I still work out. If we had an ice storm in Texas, yeah, this, I would... shit, this shit was off for two weeks. I still worked out every day. Well, how could you do that? Well, it's my lifestyle to work out. And so when you're operating on that scale, it's just a different mindset altogether. It, it is because it was what? I went out one morning, it was negative 20. We both yeah. lived through the same storm, right? I don't have shoes for negative 20. My feet were frozen, but it really wasn't a big deal. It would have been worse not to go on the walk. Yeah, It, it would have yeah. been worse for me to be out of sync. And that's what I w- want people to hear. Make it such a habit that you're screwed up if you don't do it, because that's what's going to really lead you to success. Sure. Um, so I, I, I just loved hearing your story. But let's let's wrap this up with a few questions I, I just always ask and I want to ask. Sure. So you've got 20 free minutes. Are you going to read a book, listen to a podcast, read some blogs, check out websites? Mm-hmm. How are you learning best? Uh, I do a little bit of both. Uh, I read and I listen to podcasts. It's, it's really odd. Um, I feel like my months kind of have like themes. Like right now we're trying to buy businesses. So it's a lot of marketing offers, business uh, funds. Like I want to start a you know real estate fund. So that's kind of where I go. I feel like my, my years kind of have themes and this year has been marketing business full on. Um, but that's the way I, that's the way I, I learned the most. Uh, I'm going to start cycling again now that I kind of, we're not traveling as much. And so that's where I, uh, listen to, I can, I can get a lot in, oh, yeah. in the brain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mountain biking soothes my soul. It's my flow yeah. state. So, yeah. um, all right. Last, last question. Uh, or last formal question. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? You're special. Don't you ever forget it? It's good. I think it's the message that everybody needs to hear. So now, dude, women, men, 46, 36, 23, 56, Canada, Texas, New York, you know, is the number one thing. Nobody loves themselves. It all starts with the universe of one. Right on. I think you're spot on on that one. That was a good one. Never heard it before, and I love it. Yeah, me either. I wanted to go different. That's, that's really, that's really good. Well, Austin, man, I think I know you and I could talk for more hours. Oh yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to have you up here, dude. You're going to have you up to Tahoe. We're going to hit the boat. We're going to mountain bike. Yeah. We haven't even scratched the surface, but, um, where can people find you? We'll have, we'll have notes in the pocket in the Yeah. Show so the easiest place to find everything is austinlinney.com L I N N E Y. Uh, it's got the podcast. It's got uh, my story. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, Austin Linney. Uh, totally respond to you. Happy to help anybody I can. Epic. That's awesome. Thank you very much, sir. You got it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.